We say good morning again. Good morning. Hey, that's good. You guys are awake? All right. Well, there was a uh, little schoolboy, young schoolboy, and there uh, was actually a school play that was going to be held, uh, but you had to try out for parts in this play. And uh, so the schoolboy wanted to try it out. The mother really had her doubts about him being able to be in the play because he really had his heart set on it, but he didn't really have the talent, if you know what I mean. So anyway, she took him to the school to have him uh, practice or to try out for this play, and she left. And then she came back to pick him up uh, later on, and the boy was there just smiling, just beaming as he saw his mother drive up. And he says, I get to cheer and shout and clap. And such it is as we are in the body of Christ. We have gifts. They may not be the ones that are the most noted. We're not famous and all over the world. But we get to sing and clap and shout and pray, read the Word, and then be able to minister to other people in different ways. So we get to show the glory of God. The very we get to show the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, for whatever He's given us, and that's really what we're going to be dealing with uh, in today's uh, message, and probably for the next uh, couple of weeks or so. In Ephesians two twenty two, uh, we're going to be in First Corinthians twelve, but to start off with in First Corinthians two, it says, "In whom ye also are built." together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You know what that's saying? The Apostle Paul is saying that the church collectively is a habitation of the Holy Spirit. But we also see in other passages that individual Christians are the habitation of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think on that for a moment. I know you know it. But so often we forget about that. Holy Spirit indwells each one of us. The whole assembly and each one of us. And when you think of that, it should move you to realize that God lives in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We here at Grace Community Church are an assembly of believers who have become, in a sense, the very habitation of the Spirit of God. The Almighty Creator of the universe lives here. And here and the whole body of Christ. That really is incredible when you really think about that. That's supernatural, isn't it? That when God would come into my being and live here. Now, the next question is, is do I let Him control in this body? And then the next question also would be, do we let Him control in this local body of Christ, in this assembly? If He lives in there, we want Him to control, right? If we don't let Him control, then we're denying the very identity if He's not. Uh, He's dwelling in us. And if He dwells in us, And we let Him control. He manifests His whole indwelling, His power, and His control over us. He manifests that where people can see it in the local body and even outside the body of Christ. So that's true in the Christian life. 
Can you imagine the power and impact that we can make whenever the Holy Spirit who possesses us, who lives in us, we desire to let Him control. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5 says, right? That's a command. It's not an option, it's a command. We are to do that. Now, the thing is, there are churches that are carnal. They're acting fleshly. There are believers in these churches, but they're acting very carnally. There are assemblies where the Spirit of God actually lives in those assemblies, those churches. He dwells there, but because that they manifest outwardly carnality, fleshliness, selfishness, and self-will, the Spirit of God is not in control there. So if we have a command that we are to do that, and if we don't let Him control, then what happens? Then the church is doing fleshly things. Individuals are doing fleshly things. Now that gets us into the context of the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It was a real church there. They were uh, people who were Christians there, but they were not letting the Spirit of God control. And because Corinthians had misunderstood a lot of things which we have seen week after week in the study of uh, 1 Corinthians, again, we tackle another problem. And uh, Paul really did that, but uh, we too, we want to understand what's going on here so that we wouldn't do and repeat the same thing the Corinthian church was doing. Um, They had misunderstood what spiritual gifts were about. And that's really important to understand what spiritual gifts are for. They misused them and they were behaving in the response that carnality would respond to. And we know that we've already seen that they were quarreling. There were factions. Uh, they had pride and arrogance, immorality in the church. They were suing each other. They had idolatrous practices. And we looked Inside chapter 11, we saw how they treated the Lord's Supper. Some were even getting drunk there. And as we started chapter 12, we saw some people were even saying that Jesus is accursed. And the people were letting them get away with it. What is going on in Corinth? All sorts of idolatrous practices. And there were, counter, uh, there were gifts there and people were counterfeiting them. Um, They were not used for others. They wanted the showy gifts. So as we move into chapters 12, 13, and 14, we'll see that instead of exhibiting the love of God there, they were trying to exhibit their selfishness and their showiness where everybody could look at them and see, see this gift. And that's the context of 12 through 14. It is such a... Beautiful passage on the gifts, but it's kind of laying right inside such a black, dark ugliness of how it was being misused. Spiritual gifts are incredible how good they are. They were doing exactly the opposite of how they should have been using the spiritual gifts. They were not edifying others. They were really trying to edify themselves and showing how important each one of them was. That's what's happening here. So we saw that last week people were getting themselves up in wild frenzies saying Jesus is accursed and somebody else would say that's of the Holy Spirit. And why would they say that? Well, 
they equated the experience of the Holy Spirit, which is important, but they equated that over what the content of what truth was about of the Holy Spirit, which Paul, by the way, had already taught them. He taught them about gifts. But we see here they're misusing those. That's the context of what's happening in this section. And when you interpret Scripture, one of the first things you want to do is, who wrote this letter? Who wrote this book? Who's he writing to? What is it about? You've got to apply some language in there. You have to apply some of the culture that was happening there, historical aspects. You put all that into play here uh, when we interpret. And we put that together and that's why we can say this is what's happening. We put everything in with those chapters. Now, at this particular gift, whatever they were doing there and, and gifts, if they prized them, it actually became a cult in a sense It was excessive individualism. There was jealousy going on to the ones that didn't have a particular showy gift. And so pride is being exalted there. Right in the midst of all this, we know that Christian love just disappears. Do you think they had much Christian love in the Corinthian church? Not a lot of it. And that's why chapter 13 has to be written in between chapters 12 and 14. It's sandwiched there because of the terrible misuse of their gifts. They corrupted the gifts. And you know, they had all the gifts there. They were a gifted church. Paul has already said that. They had every gift that you can imagine. So he writes them to straighten all this out. One has to know the difference between counter gifts, counterfeit gifts, and genuine gifts. So Paul gives us a great teaching here. And God uses something that is so bad and can turn it into something good. We can definitely use some teaching on spiritual gifts, can't we? Now there are other passages in Romans um, chapter 12, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, you can think of that. Also in Peter. And we'll be looking at some of those passages. Of what we're going to be looking at today is the importance of spiritual gifts and the purpose of gifts given by the Spirit. There's actually a, a purpose given. Very important. It's vital for us as individuals and the whole body to understand spiritual gifts and how we are empowered by the very Spirit of God who is in us so that we can serve others. And that's how we serve God. We, we serve others. So the Spirit of God has created a corporate unity. We have a local body. And we have the invisible church all throughout the whole world. And to keep this unity, we must mutually minister with the gifts that we have. Each one of us have to use those gifts or we're going to be lacking in what God expects us to do. So would you say they're vital? And the understanding of them are very vital. Uh, If the body of Christ is to honor Christ, it'll be when we are whole, when we are functioning, when we are maximizing our gifts. We want to take it up a step. Always, constantly. We want to take up another notch growing in the Lord. And if we've been in His Word, we've been led by His Spirit, and we're being obedient by Him, then we're going to use those gifts. 
And it will only happen though as, as a body when we're all ministering in the area and the gifts that the Spirit of God has so graciously blessed us with. Now, there are different categories of, of gifts and different ways that we can break them up, but if you were to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and we haven't gone to our text yet, have we? In 1 Peter 4, 10, another area on spiritual gifts. He says in verse 10, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Serve one another. Use it on another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The multicolored grace of God. When you look at a diamond, that is multifaceted. Right? The rock. And boy, does that ever look different every time you see it, whenever the sun hits it. Different kinds of rays of light are happening and it's incredible. And you go, wow, why are diamonds worth so much? There's nothing else like that, is there? The way that they they work. Well, that is the way the body of Christ is in all the different facets of this diamond, this church, and whenever those gifts are working properly. As every man receives the gift... Peter says, whatever your gift is, and most likely a combination uh, of various wrapping of enablements that he has given us in this gift, we're kind of like mongrels in that we have a little bit of a gift here, a little bit of a gift there, a little bit of a gift there, and all of a sudden you become different than anybody else in the gift that you have. There is nobody in the world, nobody ever in this world that has ever had the same gift that you have. That's how unique you are, but yet you fit into the body and the whole body is able to use that. Multicolored grace of God. It has to be an incredible view. God is putting on display His greatest creation, the church. Putting on display. The angels long to look in all of this. This church is an incredible thing and you are in it. Can you imagine something better than that? It's all to the glory of God. If you're a steward, Peter says, minister your gift. If you're a Christian, you have a gift. (coughs) Minister it. Use it. Do it. Now, there's really, if you want to break it down into two gifts uh, in the categories, you have your speaking gifts and you have your serving gifts. If you want to break it down into something very simple. And there are verbal gifts and then there are nonverbal gifts. Of course, even in the nonverbal gifts, there's probably speaking involved too. But we'll be looking at those kind of gifts today. The verbal and nonverbal, or the serving and the speaking. Um, we're going to start at verse 4 in chapter 12. And let's read the first section here, 4 through 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Incredible passage here. 
Matter of fact, as we have just read the Word of God, let's, uh, let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit. For that is the only way that we can understand You, the great God. And help us to understand this passage. A passage just like any other passage can be misused and misunderstood as the Corinthians did and as the church has misunderstandings all down through the years on many passages. We want to just know what Your truth is. Nothing more, nothing less. Thank You for Your Spirit, Lord. Amen. Now, you notice in 4 through 6, there's a little pattern going on here. I like this. Because you have the triune God involved here. You usually think of gifts, you think of the Holy Spirit. Well, He is. He's the one that is giving us this and empowering us. But the whole triune God is involved here. Uh, And you'll notice that it says in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts. Now, gifts is the main topic, right? There are diversities or there are varieties. You'll keep seeing that word in these three verses. But the same Spirit. You have gifts, Varieties, you have Holy Spirit there. In verse 5, there are differences. Now that's something that's like diversities, right? There are differences of ministries. He doesn't say gifts there, but he says ministries there. But the same Lord. He doesn't say Holy Spirit there, but now he says Lord, which would equate to Jesus Christ. Are you seeing the pattern? And in verse 6, and there are diversities of activities. Diversities or differences. Here, diversities. Activities. We've seen gifts. We've seen ministries. Now we have activities. But it is the same God. And usually when you have in a triune passage where you have the Spirit mentioned and also the Lord mentioned or Son mentioned, then whenever it says God, He's speaking of God the Father. And so in blessing us with these tremendous gifts that He has given us, the triune God is involved in our lives. Just involved in our lives every moment. Isn't it great? He doesn't ever forget about that. And He's equipped us. Now, you, you get these words, diversities, uh, gifts, that's something equated to that, and then, you know, Spirit, Lord, God. Distributions, the word for uh, diversities. There are diversities of gifts. Diversities. Uh, Easy to understand. Distributions, allotments, varieties. The only way that unity functions in teamwork is where there is diversity. There is unity and diversity in the body of Christ. University. That's interesting, isn't it? Unity, dealing with one, but diverse. And so here we are in this church We have so many different backgrounds, different places where people have come from, and yet we're still one. We have different gifts. Now there's the same Spirit, there's the same Lord, there is the same God working in all of us, but all in different ways. And there's a multiplicity of gifts. And if you were to think of football, for instance, and let's say you had 40 individuals out there, and they're making up this football team, and uh, they're getting ready for practice, and every one of them wants to be the quarterback. And the team says, yeah, we want to be one. So everybody is going to play quarterback. That's impossible. You couldn't play. First of all, you wouldn't have any defense whenever the other team gets the ball and it score every time because if you're quarterback, you can't be out there. So you come out on offense, now it's your time, and you don't have a line. Everybody is a quarterback, and you don't even have anybody to hike the ball. Now what are you going to do? 
You can't do anything. You can't even score. You don't have a ball to throw to because everybody is, is going to throw the ball, but you can't even throw it because you can't hike it. Unity has to have diversity in this body. That's what God has done. The, the, the team can't function unless there are people to play different positions. And every one of us has been given a different position here at Grace Community Church. And you all have that one position to play. And so here we are. Now he uses the word gifts. And uh, the word is interesting there is charisma. Charisma. Charis is the Greek word. Charis. Charisma. It means gift. (laughs) That was pretty hard, wasn't it? It means undeserved. It means grace, doesn't it? Charis. Charisma. Charismata. Gifts. We didn't do anything to get salvation. It's all by grace. We're saved by grace. We didn't do anything to get these gifts. We didn't plead for them. We didn't ask for them. We didn't... And if we did, we were doing the same thing the Corinthians were doing because they wanted all the showy gifts where people could pay attention to them. God gives us exactly the gift that we need. Because if we would ask for a gift, we would all want to be quarterback. You know? But God doesn't do it that way. So He graces us, undeservingly gives us this gift, and so that word is, is associated with salvation, but here it's dealing with our gifts. God is the giver of all the gifts. He chose them. He's sovereign. He does it by His will and not by ours. Aren't you glad of that? We are supernaturally equipped. It goes beyond natural realm. The supernatural Holy Spirit resides in us. We have gifts from God. And there you go. Now, there are talents that each one of us have. And talents are definitely given by God, but talents are given to unbelievers. There are tremendous singers and musicians and mechanics and just think of all the different things that people do. But there are spiritual gifts. Now granted, we are to use our talents in the church, but there are spiritual gifts that go beyond just the talents, the natural talents that God has given us, even though they're God-given. Spiritual gifts are special capacities to believers that they're equipped to minister supernaturally to other people. Now, there are lists of gifts gifts that are given in the Bible. And I can't tell you how many there are. We could take all of the passages that deal with it and count them up and say, some people say, well, there's 19. Others say there's 17. Others say, well, there's really only four. (laughs) You know, if you want to, you can multiply these. And it's an endless amount of gifts. But Because by the time you get to this multifaceted, Groupings, uh, we're just giving general lists and put them together the way that God does. You have a different gift indeed from all other people. It's it's awesome in what He's done. But there are several different lists, and we know here in First Corinthians twelve, there's a list. Let's go to Ephesians four, verse seven. Let's look at that list. First of all, he says. Uh, that he's dealing with spiritual gifts here. He says, But to each one of us, grace, charis, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Measure of Him. He measures it out. Gives exactly what we have. 
and what we need. And then we move over to verse 11. We'll see the context of the gifts there. They are gifted men. This is one kind of gift there is. There are gifted men who will then pass on knowledge and wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom to Christians. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, teachers. So there are the gifts there. Gifted men in the church who study, who put down the Word of God in context, what it means, and then give it out to the people, feed them, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's a list there. We have our 1 Corinthians 12. Go to Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. So God gives... Gifts to gifted men. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace, charis, that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If whatever you have, do it. Or ministry, serving. Let us use it in our ministering. If, if you serve, if you're a servant, do it. He who teaches and teaching, teach them. He who exhorts and exhortation. He who gives, do it with liberality. And he who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Or hilarious. Hilarity. A hilarious giver or a cheerful giver. Uh huh. 1 Peter 4.11 We were back there earlier. 1 Peter 4.11 If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. There's your serving gift. If anyone ministers, okay, you have your speaking gift and here's your serving gift. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's the whole reason why we do anything. Why we worship, why we serve, why we use our gifts. It's all to the glory of God. For Him who has dominion forever and ever. Amen. The two kinds of gifts here. Speaking gifts and ministering gifts. Serving gifts. And so there are the, the, the two that you can kind of divide everything up into. So, broad general list, list here. Uh, we don't need to define the gifts exactly because they overlap, they blend with each other. Uh, there are no, no two Christians with the exact kind of gift. So, uh, what the emphasis uh, here is in our Corinthians passage is that he says in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. All sorts of different gifts out here. But we all have the same Holy Spirit, right? Now the same Spirit or Spirit here is pneumatica. Pneuma. Right? That is referring to Spirit.
spirit or spirituals. We already saw that that's what he used in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts or spirituals, pneumaticos, pneumatica here, it means the source of your gifts. Holy Spirit. He's the source. That's what he's saying in our Corinthian passage. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. comes from anything else. It's not a gift. <laughs> it's all from, from uh, Him. Now, we move to our next section, verse 5. The next section, but it's in the same section, verse 5, a different verse. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. It's just like verse 4, isn't it? This time he uses uh, differences in my version. Uh, but again, it's like varieties. There are varieties of ministries. One may work well with one-on-one. You might communicate with one person or two people or just small groups. There might be other people who work well when they are uh, teaching uh, just loads of people, a big crowd, hundreds of people, You know, if, if you want to be talking about speaking gifts. And so there are different ways, even when you take that one gift of how that can be ministered. Varieties of ministries. Ministries, you'll never guess what that word is. Over and over and over again, when we look at the Greek text, ministries means service or diakonia or deacon. Acts 6, we need some deacons. We need some men who will serve tables. It means to wait on tables, literally. Servants. And if, if when, when we minister, a minister really is not one to be exalted of. What is he? He's a table waiter. Anytime we minister, and that's everybody. And here he's talking that in general, but there are people that are called ministers. Okay, well, it just means really they have a big fancy title there, but really all they are are just table waiters. And they should be. They may not think of it that way. Some of them really want to be known as minister so-and-so. Or doctor so-and-so. Do you like that? Sometimes it gets me how people will say, that's uh, Dr. Smith. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I am turned off. Because now, we're going for something that's very prideful and the way that they might minister might be about themselves rather than God. Can't read into that all the time. And just because somebody has the word doctor, I'm not blasting that down. If somebody has studied hard and worked hard, I'm glad they are. But whenever they start using that to put themselves over the rest of the church, it bothers me. That's not because I don't have a doctorate. I don't have one. (laughs) But I hope it would be because of the way that you'd be thinking too. Jesus never went around calling Himself Dr. Jesus. He was a doctor, but He didn't really really do the seminary. Uh, He already had it built into Him. But He was a servant. Because he said in Mark 10.45, I came not to be served, but to serve. He became as a ransom for the many. He was a servant. 1 Peter 4.10, we already read that verse where he said to minister or to serve. And Ephesians 4.12, we read that passage and the word there was diakonos, to serve. Gifts are given to Christians so they will serve, so they will minister, and they are not ever for self-gratification. Our gifts are never for our own private lives. You will never see that in Scripture. That is not what it's about. They're given as gifts 
for us to use for others. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And that's what He has done for us. Uh, differences of ministry, but the same Lord. I mentioned how we have the Spirit and the Lord and then God. Now verse 6. Here we go. Same kind of thing going on. Same pattern. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Varieties of effects. Activities. The word there, uh, again, we have diverse or varieties. Holy Spirit has a palette. P-A-L-E-T-T-E. Where, where you put paints and you put all sorts of different colors there. But you really take the primary colors, right? How many primary colors are there? Three, right? You put those primary in there and you have a, a mixture of certain things and you come up with different colors. Well, the Holy Spirit has these primary gifts. And the ones we've just seen listed here, which really are I'm not a lot of them. But by the time it gets spread out on this canvas, with the mixture that it has, everyone becomes a stylized, individualized, particular, peculiar portrait that is very unique. Every one of you is a portrait that the Holy Spirit has painted. And it's a perfect picture. And He used different colors or gifts to put that together to be who you are and what you do. Do you believe that? That is supernatural. It's incredible. We don't see those colors. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knows exactly what it is. Sometimes I think we, we understand what gifts we do. And others say, I still don't know what my gift is. Well, if you're reading the Word of God and if you're being led by the Spirit, don't be hung up on what gift you have. Just keep on doing what you're doing because if you're led by God's Spirit and you want to do His will, just keep doing that because you are doing what your gift is. Some are not so easy to tell. Some uh, others are. It doesn't matter if if you are doing His will. You are very unique. He put His brush and His mixture there and He has put someone out there, uh, you, that nobody has ever been combination is incredibly unique. Now, the word activities or effects, it's an energy word, energema, and it means to work out, to be energized. He says, and there are diversities of activities or to be energized. We have our gift and we have a ministry to do with that. And then... There are activities or we're energized by Him. The energy and the power that's given behind it. He provides all the energy and the power. The gifts are supernatural and they're all energized by God. All we do is just work them out, right? He puts them there. He gives the power. And there's a flow of divine energy in each one of us. We're not God's. But He uses us as humans to actually take His power and work through us. And you put each and every individual that's in the church and they're all doing that. Can you imagine the power of the body of Christ? 
I mean, this is Christ on earth today. Or His temple. As, some, as ugly sometimes as the church looks, or weak as it looks, it's a great thing. God, by the way, is making it perfect. And one day it will be. Total unity. So, you see the Spirit of God has this fantastic variety, incredible. We're all in there. And as John MacArthur says, each one of us is a spiritual snowflake. And you know about snowflakes. Boy, did we see some snowflakes about uh, two or three weeks ago. They, man, they were coming down hard and heavy. And you can imagine, you're saying, these are billions of snowflakes. How many trillions? I, I, can't even, I can't even come up with a word. Quadrillion, zillion, billion. <laughs> I don't know. But every one of them was different. How can that be? God made those. Now, think about us. As complex as we are, and He works in us. Wow. God would never trade you for anybody because everyone that He has put in this body is so valuable. If you looked at your kids and said, okay, i got four nice kids, but you know I wouldn't mind a change. Uh, maybe I'll get, give away one of my kids and make a trade here, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll get another kid instead. Can you imagine God doing that? No child of God ever would He substitute for. And we would never do that with our kids. We'd never trade them for anybody, right? You're a snowflake. The combination of gifts that He's given you is exactly what He wants. He's given nobody else that. Now, here's the thing. You know you're kind of like what your license plate is out there on your car. Nobody else has that number that you have. Now, here's the way it is with these spiritual gifts. If you don't use them, nobody else is going to take your place It's just going to be defunct or devoid. It's not going to be used and the body is going to be hurting for that. It doesn't get done. Would that that make sense? If there's nobody else like you, they can't serve exactly like you. You are important in this local body and in the whole invisible body of Christ. So if we're not doing what um, He has given us to do, uh, and the Spirit is trying to get this unity, we would, we would cause a, a misunity if we're not using that. Now, He uses God, the same God. The Father gives the gifts. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts. Christ gives the gifts. We saw that in another passage. The whole triune God, the Trinity, is involved in everything that you do as you minister, as you serve. He has enabled us. He has powered us. He is the very giver. He's the source. And He says here in verse 7 now, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit. Phonerosis. What's manifestation? Making known. Making it clear. Making it evident. Okay, but the evidence or something outwardly is now being shown, manifested. Did you know the Holy Spirit manifests out of the church's actions? 
in, as it uses these gifts, the spiritual gifts are never to be hidden. They are to be manifested, to be seen, to be put on display. Did you know, individually, in the body of Christ, when we are being obedient and doing what Christ wants us to, did you know that you are manifesting the Holy Spirit in your lives? You are putting on display the triune God. How about that? That's what He's equipped us with. We are actually, as Christians, we are putting on the very display of the glory of God in our lives. That is a responsibility and a privilege, isn't it? Have you thought of it that way? Wow. And here's the purpose at the end of verse 7. It's given to each one. Why? For the profit of all. You, 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 every one of you, all those gifts, as far as I'm concerned, it profits me whenever you are using that. And for everyone else, they are profited also as we minister in this church. It's advantageous. That's the idea of profit. It's a benefit to you. You get great benefit because somebody else has a gift here that maybe you need. Like, for instance, somebody might have a gift of faith. Now, everybody has faith, and we'll get to that gift sometime. I don't even know if we'll get there today. Time is moving on. Dennis, you're not moving along. You're not using that gift very quickly here today. (laughs) Somebody has, let's say, a gift of faith. Now, I don't know if anybody has that particular gift here. But you might. I don't have that particular gift of faith. I have faith to believe, to trust in God. Saving faith, we all have that. We've been given that a lot. Otherwise, you're not a believer. (laughs) But we're talking here a special equipped gift that certain saints have had down through the years that certain saints have in the church today that they believe God despite all the circumstances. And I mean, yeah, we're, we're commanded to do that, but they kind of rise above. There's certain ones, you know, that you can think of. George Mueller, for instance, had that great gift of faith where he didn't have any money, didn't know where it was going to be coming in, but he knew it was going to be coming in because he had a whole bunch of children in his orphanage. And every day, uh, as they'd be counting on the Lord, some kind of food, whatever they needed, would come in. Just different ways, one after another after another. That's a gift of faith. And I'll tell you, I'm lacking in that. But if somebody in here has that kind of faith... I'll be praying, but maybe my prayer just doesn't seem to be functioning as well as it should. I'm believing God, but somebody else is praying for me. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, something breaks through and comes through in an amazing way. And maybe that, maybe there was another person who really has that gift of faith applied that to me. I may not know who it is, but it worked in the body. And I'll tell you what, I believe many times here people were praying for me or people were praying for Carolyn and certain things just came through in just an amazing supernatural way almost. I mean, just, And I'm sure you guys have felt the same way. When you have people praying for you, doesn't it really mean a lot to you? People say, well, I'll be praying for you. you know, sometimes I might just be saying that to say it, but boy, that means a lot. 
thank you. That's the best thing that you can do. I need your prayer. We need each other. See, that's how it works. That's, that's great. And it's beneficial. It's advantageous to us when the Spirit's gifts are being used by the people. It's for the profit of all. you understand that there? Okay. Now, we go into verse 8 and we start these various gifts. And I'm only going to get so far here. There are a lot of different gifts in all these passages. I guess we'll probably basically concentrate on the ones that are here. Uh, the first one is, um, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. There's a Spirit. Now you'll notice the Spirit is involved in, in all of these here. The word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Okay, you keep seeing that pattern. So the Holy Spirit is really getting a lot of mention here, isn't He? But He is here so that He would bring attention to Christ. And Christ is to bring attention to the Father. And the whole triune God gets glorified. Isn't that what it's about? Alright. Now, you remember I said earlier that there are speaking gifts? Well, here's a speaking gift. A word of wisdom through the Spirit. Uh, the words are Lagos, Sophia. Lagos is word. It's something that it's expressed. Of course, Jesus is known as the Word, right? The Logos. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Logos, the Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, here, um, it's that same word. It's very expression. A word. Something spoke. And Sophia is dealing with wisdom. So you have Logos, Sophia. Word, Wisdom. Sophia is this. How do we define wisdom? It's something that is applied. You take knowledge and then you apply that and use it in your life. It's applying truths that are discovered. It's applying those and actually using them. That's wisdom. We'll get into knowledge. Sometimes I wonder why wasn't word of knowledge mentioned first and then word of wisdom. But it doesn't matter. I guess that's the way the Holy Spirit wanted it. (laughs) But usually, you know, we we have knowledge first and then we learn to use that knowledge. We use it in in wisdom. Okay, this this is um, uh, pertaining to the ability to understand God's Word, His will, and then apply it in an obedient way. Taking the Word of God and now applying it in your own life. It's the ability to make practical application out of the knowledge that you have. The truth of life. The expository teacher communicates wisdom because he, hopefully, he has studied Scripture, he has searched these things out, He has gained insight from different commentary writers all throughout the church ages, down through history. Uh, He uses present day commentaries to get to the meat of what this word means here. Um, Whenever I deliver a message, I'm responsible to get as close as to the text as I possibly can. Believe me, that feels overwhelming because... Um, if I'm saying something up here that is wrong and I haven't studied it out or I have a a wrong idea of this, then I am putting it on other people and corrupting what truth means. So 
So it's a heavy responsibility. That's why James would say, let there not be many teachers. For If you get a bunch of people saying a bunch of different things, then you're going to have confusion. There should be an agreement. And that's why when you get commentaries, you might have different nuances and different ideas, but usually if you're going with good commentaries, they're basically going to be saying the same thing, going to be reaching back in history, and you get, rather than just one view of what one person has said, now you have a whole palette of different thoughts on this, and hopefully they're very close, and now you can take that particular insight that you have and make it now blend together for the people in your congregation that need that. And so uh, it's, it's about studying Scripture, gaining insights, taking different scholars, and then coming up with the passage that will work there in this body of Christ. So it, it applies God's truth to situations. A word of wisdom. Taking that knowledge, applying it to the own person's life, and then communicating that to others to put it out there, to feed them. The pastor is to know God's Word. That's one of the biggest things that he has to do. He must know God's Word and then he should be able to apply it in his own life so that he can lead the people. A word of wisdom. He gives gifts to people that are the word of wisdom. Lagos, Sophia. That is different than some of the things that are being applied today. I heard on TV for many years. I was amazed by it. I was taken in by it for a few years. I kept hearing about word of wisdom and some would say such and such has cancer in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, that could very well be. You have a millions of people in certain cities and somebody's going to have that particular cancer if you'll put your hand on the screen. The only thing is, that is easy to do. Anybody can say that. So that came from God because they, they knew exactly what neighborhood it was and everything else. Um, guys, there are a lot of tricks being played out there. And believe me, those tricks bring in a lot of money. And after investigating situations, reading a lot of books, checking things out, like I said, I was duped for many years. If you look at the plain reading of the Word of God and say, how did that guy ever come up with what that meant? That's, that's why I was blinded whenever I first started trying to get this Word of Wisdom. I'm going, I don't understand this. Here's what I've always heard. What is, what is Paul writing here to the Corinthians first? This word of wisdom. There had to be people take the knowledge and apply it to wisdom. And that is what Lagos Sophia, and that's the way it was understood for 1900 years. And it's still being understood by right interpreters of Scripture today. Other people who do not study the Word of God, who have no uh, clue really of what it means, redefine it, make it mean something that it really doesn't. Check that out and examine it. I imagine all of you have probably ran into that and heard it all your life and you go, this is confusing, I don't know what this means. Um, just read the Bible for all it's worth and what it's saying rather than people giving us things that we would... We, that's really cool. He's doing something that nobody else has. Look at the gift that he has. Well, that's true. Not everybody has the word of wisdom. But wouldn't you guys like to hear wisdom from this pulpit? 
It's not because I and myself am wise. I'm not ever going to go around and say that. <laughs> that. That would be prideful. I'd be stepping right back into Corinth. What I'm saying is that it's God's truth. And I have to know that truth. And if I'm not living in my own life, how can I ever give it out to anybody anyway? It's not wisdom. All it is is a bunch of knowledge I'm giving you. And if I lived a certain way, if my life didn't line up with what I said, you guys wouldn't want to listen to a word that I said. You wouldn't even be here, would you? Because you, you discern those kind of things. And that's why um, a heavy responsibility is given uh, to uh, people who teach and preach the Word of God. They must have this Word of wisdom uh, through the Spirit. To another, the Word of knowledge through the same Spirit. What do we do with this? Well, I've heard that all my life too. The Word of knowledge. How is it to be interpreted though? How is this to be taken? And this comes in with what knowledge means. Uh, this gift would probably actually precede the word of wisdom because knowledge is needed before you have wisdom. Wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it, using it correctly. It's perceiving. Knowledge is perceiving and understanding truths. Being able to understand those truths and communicate insights. To be able to communicate particular insights. A teacher gives out knowledge, but he also must have some kind of wisdom too. Otherwise, he's just serving out knowledge, just throwing out stuff and people take it or leave it. But it communicates insights into the very wisdom of God or the very mysteries of God. There are great many mysteries in the Word of God, is there not? And to be able to understand those things and to be able to bring it to the people is um, something that brings glory to, to God. Certain people are given a special ability to study God's Word, to dig, to find out the meaning of the context. Not everybody has the time, not everybody has that gift to go and search every concordance and commentaries and dictionaries and then listen to certain messages on uh, uh, MP3s and CDs and trying to dig out what all does this mean coming from reputable people who have been proven over many, many years. That's why the church historically is very important to go back uh, and check and examine what, what you believe and then to see how these uh, new people, how are they interpreting it. But uh, it's communicating that. It's taking words and phrases. Every particular word can mean something. That's really important. And, and uh, so we look in chapter 13, verse 2. Just having knowledge, though, is not valuable in itself. That's why a word of wisdom goes along with word of knowledge. Look in verse 2. Here he talks about the problems they have. They have a lot of pride. They don't love the rest of the body. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy, and we'll explain that someday, that really means to proclaim, to preach, to teach, to proclaim the Word of God, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, there's our word, if I could understand everything, all the knowledge, even if I had that, and I don't have what? Love. It's worthless. It's absolutely of no value whatsoever. One can have a tremendous amount of knowledge. I'll tell on an individual one time. And you don't even know who it is because I don't even know his name. But he came into the store 
And he came up to the counter, and man, when he started, he started talking and talking. Boy, he he had all this history. He had all the knowledge of the world. I think this guy must have been the most intelligent person that ever lived in all the world. He went like this, and I stood there. I, I mean, I have never seen a person talk, heard a person talk for as long as he did without taking a breath. He went for at least 45 minutes, and I stood there, and one time I said, yep, uh, every once in a while, mm. I mean, he could not stop. He had knowledge. He had so much knowledge that I couldn't even comprehend where he was going. My head was spinning. And I got so tired of hearing all of this stuff that eventually I said, Hey, I've got to go back to the back room. I mean, and he came in. I've got to confess this. He came in, I don't know, a few weeks later. And I saw him. And I, you know, he, he took an hour, and I don't even know what he said. But poor Zach was behind the counter or he was out there somewhere. I said, hey, uh, I've got a lot of things to do. And I do. <laughs> I, I went to the back room and I uh, let Zach handle that. <laughs> and he was out there an hour later and this guy was just going 90 miles an hour. He hadn't stopped. He did not take uh, uh, two seconds between a sentence. Not even one second. And I looked through the window and I saw Zach out there just you know, looking straight at <laughs> I go, oh my, I'm going to hear it from Zach. You know what I'm saying? There are people that really have a lot of knowledge. I'm telling you, this guy, to me, didn't have a lick of wisdom. You know, you listen to people, don't you? I wouldn't, anything that he would have said, I wouldn't even believe. Matter of fact, I think some of the things that I heard him say, I didn't believe at all. Liberal stuff he was spewing off and everything else. He was trying to show off this knowledge. That's not what we're talking about, is it? We're talking about um, truths from the Word of God, finding out what that means. It's a capability to understand the meaning of God's Word. Now, every one of us should have wisdom. Every one of us should have knowledge. And we should have that grow. You may not have this special gift here, but you might have. You might have that come in, blend in with a lot of other things too. I pray that wisdom and knowledge, I mean, that's a, that's a prayer that Paul had constantly in Ephesians, Colossians, for instance, that we'd have knowledge, that we'd have wisdom. But this gift here, this, this particular gift, this word of knowledge, is foundational as a speaking gift to the, to the gifts of teaching, preaching, counseling, leadership, being able to communicate truths of God's Word to other people, the teacher and preacher depend upon knowledge because we are commissioned to interpret that truth and then spread it out to the people. And it takes knowing history. It takes knowing the, the culture and the customs and the manners. It takes knowing archaeology, languages, context, context, context. It takes that. And still yet... I myself feel highly inadequate whenever I stand before you guys and teach the Word of God because I know this is the precious Word. I'm handling this, and if I treat it wrongly in any way, I'm held accountable for people's lives. That's why it has to be taken so seriously. But it's the ability to comprehend spiritual truth that God has given. So we have a word of wisdom. We had a word of knowledge. 
It's not some kind of a secret thing, but it's something to be able to take that. Now, if you take that in the early church, they didn't have the Word of God available. They had supernatural revelation that came to them, maybe through the apostles who then handed it to others who were prophets, ones who proclaimed. And also then the pastors, teachers, they took that Word from them, were able then to uh, tell others. So they were supernaturally gifted in that way. They didn't have the books, maybe the stuff to go through. Maybe they only, maybe they, it was hard to even get an Old Testament, get the scrolls, you know. But they had new teaching, uh, the revelation of the Word of God. The New Testament is so incredible what we have. Oh, my uh, just one other one, and, and we're going to have to quit there today. I thought really I'd get through more gifts. Um, obviously, I don't have the gift of moving through the gifts quick enough. <laughs> uh, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Sometimes you can have intuition about maybe somebody. Every once in a while, God will give some kind of thing before you don't know what all the, the thing is, you know. So I don't really rule that out, but I don't necessarily, and that happens every great once in a while. But somebody who is gifted, who is using this gift all the time, so that's why I would say, you know, you know, when there's certain, even when when somebody is about to die, have you ever had some kind of thing that comes over you? I don't know what that really is. I really can't define it. But doesn't that happen sometimes? It kind of gives you a warning of something, and I know those things happen. And I'm not ruling those out. I'm not ruling supernatural things out. You guys know what I'm saying, right? But to use these gifts properly in this way, this is what I'm talking about. This, those things don't happen all the time. If it is, uh, something's really kind of really different. If people live by that all the time, it's how they live their lives. I, I would examine that to see where that's coming from. But yeah, those things do happen. I've had those kind of things happen. So I don't rule those out. But I'm not necessarily calling those gifts. Uh, in in the way that this means here, just because I'm telling you this is the way this is I think interpreted uh, in the correct way, and not just through my way. I'm just talking about through people who have done this for years and eons, bunny eons. Uh, faith here, and we'll finish with this one. Uh, to another, faith is given by the same Spirit. This is a supernatural capacity to believe God. And I, I mentioned this already, so most of this is out of the way. But And it's dealing with God's response to prayer. It's a special gift that's given to certain Christians. And they have an, a really a very intensive ability to trust God for finances, things that they really have to have. Uh, they, they might have terrible circumstances that it's going on in their life overwhelming obstacles, but yet they believe God. He's going to come through with whatever He does. That is a special gift. I don't have that gift. I wish they did, but remember that all these gifts, they're not all given to one person. You can go and pursue this all you want, but God has already given you what He wants to give you. And somebody in the church has this that you need for them to be praying for you or to act upon you. And that's why the church is so important. If you look at Matthew 17.20. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind of 
kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. They were asking, the disciples were asking, hey, why aren't the demons being cast out here? And He said, hey, if you have a faith as a mustard seed, you'll say this mountain. Move from here. It's about faith in God. Not in a literal mountain being moved, but the fact that whatever thing comes in, the obstacles that come in your way, you really pray to God that uh, those be removed so this can work. Um, and that's really seeking out God and just believing Him. We're all to be doing that, but there's that special one. In James 5, 16-18, you have a man of prayer here. And it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective. Fervent. Of a man who's righteous, who trusts in God. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. And so, But Elijah already knew the answer to this. He already knew God's will on this. It had already been told to him. And that's why he was praying because he knew that was God's will. But yet he still prayed because he knew that that's what he was supposed to do. Jesus knew what God's will was too. But why did he pray? Romans 4.20, you have Abraham. Abraham believed God. Of course, we know that it was accounted to him as righteousness. Um, we know that he was beyond his years to produce children. And his wife was. And in Romans 4.20 it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to Him for righteousness. On the basis of one person having this gift of faith, others are benefited. Now, there's one thing about we're all to be believing God. You don't have faith in your faith. You have faith in God that whatever His will is will come through. You may not have this gift, but I'll tell you what, if somebody else is using it and they have it, they activate those prayers on your behalf. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you when you can't even think of anything to pray. Romans 8 says, He's always praying for us. And we say, I can't even think of anything to pray on this. I've ran out of words. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. I don't know what else to tell God. We breathe a deep sigh. I don't know what else. And the Holy Spirit is still interceding. And then you have other people praying for you. Oh, isn't it great? Hudson Taylor of the China Inland Mission Work. For years and years he's out there in that. And he didn't have the money to be able to put all this together, but somehow everything to all work together and this missionary and his mission work proved to be very beneficial to something that was so impossible. People told him not to go there. Wasting your time. And you can read some of those stories of missionaries of the 1800s. Incredible how God used them. They were great men of faith. Uh, they're, they're people just like us, but some of them are gifted maybe uh, a little bit more than what the, the normal Christian is. God gives these gifts. 
And you can see how they work in conjunction. We don't have all the gifts, each individual, but the whole body does. And when you put them and they're all working together, isn't it beautiful? Let's pray. Father, thank You for...